my biggest fear is wasted potential. And the biggest piece of advice that I would give administrators is find the potential in everyone in the building. Remove the roles. That's another. I'll start. Like we, we, we talk about the hierarchy in school, the hierarchy in schools too often. Who's the principal, then the teachers, then maybe, you know, the paras and then the custodian, wherever your hierarchy is. No, we're all on the same team. We just have different roles. Stop talking about job descriptions. Okay. You're the principal because you went to school, you did whatever. That was something you wanted to do. That doesn't mean you're better than anybody. So put the titles away and focus on we're all on the same team. We all walk into school together. And then when you realize we're all on the same level, we just have different roles to get the students to the end. Then you focus on the potential of the, the, the staff. Find something that people are good at or they're driven by and highlight it. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Welcome to part two of this Scene to Lead episode with Dr. Matthew X. Joseph. He gave us so much information in the first one that in breaking it into two, we found that he never even stops This one, you're going to hear all about balancing leadership, closing your own performance gaps, and accepting the different ways people do things. I have to tell you, I'm excited you came back, but I'm even more excited to listen to Matthew Joseph give us more information and advice on how to become better leaders so that we can improve the way we support, engage, and empower our teachers. Now, enough from me. Let's hear from Matthew Joseph. Let's get started. We fit a lot of things, and we, we've got a lot of broad topics going here that we're kind of juggling, and we, but we've got some really good strategies that Matt's brought up to help leaders better support, engage, and empower teachers. And, and one of those big things was that I really want to follow up with is the idea of reflection and how important reflection is for everybody, but especially leaders. So, Matt, do you have any, any tips, tricks, tools of the trade for us that leaders could use to help themselves find, then analyze, and then correct their pitfalls, the mistakes that they're making. All right. That's deep. So um, I think let's go for a little while. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I think when you talk about reflections and I want to think back to a few things I said earlier of being your your authentic self is for you to get a true reflection, you got to see the person in the mirror or whatever you're looking at. You got to know who that person is and be comfortable with that person. I have come to become comfortable with my nuances, my silliness sometimes, but my drive, like I'm comfortable looking in that mirror. So when I have to look back at it and take some improvement pills from somebody who's giving me that feedback, I have the confidence to do that because I know who I am. I know my strengths, but I also know my weaknesses. So I think before you can even dive into to doing, you know, looking at and getting that critical feedback, you have to know who you are and know what you do well 
and focus on the areas that you can improve because when, so when we look at pitfalls, what I try to look for is the balance. So I know what I do well, or at least feel like I do and have been told things that I do well. If I only focus on those, I'm going to continue to grow that piece of my leadership, but my areas of improvement are not going to improve. So I call it a performance gap. You really don't want to have a large performance gap from your strengths to the areas you need improvement that you want to close the gap. You're always going to have things that you do well and things that you are not as strong on. But if you have a smaller chasm or gap or, you know, whatever you want to call it from your best thing to the thing you need the most improvement on, then you have some balance because when you going back to my low impact, high or low effort, high impact, if I know these three things I really need improvement on, then I can spend a majority of my time on those because I don't want to get so far ahead of myself on things I do well that I have a major gap in my leadership. I want balanced leaders. I don't want the one hit wonders where all I can do is send is create an amazing newsletter for my families. That can't be my leadership. That's what's remembered. I want balance because then you can seek it out. And again, in a terrible self-promotion, I don't mean it, but it just fits what I'm talking about in in my new book, The Power of Connections. I I lay out like five or six different ways that, that educators can improve their practice without really anyone else knowing, because that's the hard part of the pitfalls is that you want to improve, but man, that asking for help when you're still new or, or building that confidence is difficult. So finding Twitter chats or finding a boxer book group or, or, or finding different communities where you can grow is wonderful. For, for me, I participate every Thursday morning and it's called primary STEM chat. It's an Australian chat. It's, it's probably Thursday night. I think for them, it's around STEM leadership because at the time that was a, something I wasn't strong at. And I was taking a district role to oversee these, these programs. So how can I find a way to improve without really like, hey, you hire this guy who doesn't know these few things. I went to an Australian Twitter chat. So I learned these STEM um, philosophies and STEM ideas and, and leadership while I was doing this job. So my area of uh, need was getting closer to my areas of strength because they're growing together. So I think for teachers, knowing who you are, number one, being really honest with that, like really, uh, what do you do well and where are your areas of improvement? And then finding a way to have more balance and finding ways to do it uh, the way that works best for you. I'm not a big reader. I don't read a lot of books because I get impatient just to be honest with you. So I listen to a lot of, I love podcasts because I can listen to them on the ride. It's very efficient for me. In my 40 minutes of driving, I've listened to a podcast. So I'm also, I don't like to write, like actually write. So I speak everything into my phone and the notes app puts it into text for me. So those are ways that I can close my performance gap the way that it works good for me. Now that's a great way of putting that. And what you're saying The important thing about what you're saying is it's got staying power because we go back and forth. It seems like there's a pendulum that swings for leaderships about whether you work on your weaknesses or whether you work on your strengths, whether you spend a whole lot of energy trying to bring your weak areas up to where they're a stronger area or whether you put that energy into your strengths and soar with it. What I like about what you're saying or what resonates with me, I should say, is the idea that you're not dumping all your energy 
into your weaknesses. You're just bringing them up closer. So you can't run away from areas that you're weak in, which we often find in leadership. There are a lot of things in leadership that, man, I don't feel like doing sometimes. <laughs> right. But that doesn't mean I, I can't, that I can get away from it or that I can't do it. You know, those difficult conversations, those difficult projects, owning up to things that don't work out right and fixing them. That's why what you just said to leaders The idea of looking at it in a different way, changing your perspective and making it a gap and just trying to shrink that gap some, I think has a lot of power. And I I think that the idea of building your confidence first is so key to being able to even notice that gap. I always say the the hardest thing for us to do is be honest with ourselves and to look in that mirror and just lay it on the line and say, this is what it is. Because it's, you know, we don't always like to hear that. And there's not a lot of not a lot of ways we can excuse what we see when we're saying it about ourselves. Absolutely. So, but that's that's really that's really good advice to view that as a gap. I I really like that. And I'm going to go back to this. I'm, I'm going to cross back on myself. I like the way that you work on closing that gap because you're not avoiding again your weaknesses, but you're finding tools to help you with them. The idea you don't like to write, so you go into your voice memo because that's what works for you. Where somebody it might be more powerful to do a 10 minute journal. You know, you don't, you don't do a lot of reading. So you listen to a lot of podcasts. I I have to tell you, I listen to something every morning and it's a podcast or it's a book on tape. And sometimes I even have the book in print and I hit the bookmark on the book on tape, whenever I hear something good. Yeah. And I'm dating myself saying book on tape, but I I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. I hit that bookmark and then I go back to the print edition and I reread that section because that section was meaningful to me in some way. And, and then I write my margin notes. So it's, it's whatever works for you. Absolutely. And I think you have to own that. But here's the second piece to that, going back to some of the things we were talking about. You have to be okay with someone else doing it way different. And that was part of my, my growth piece too, is that I love to go to events. One, because I'm very social. But two, because I learn by listening. So I can go to an event and I sit there and I am locked in, like Matchos have locked in. People look at me like, what's going on? Is he like in a trance? Because I can take information in. I'm not saying in a bragging way, because I'm going to tell you the other side. I take information in and I probably could go up on the stage and do the whole keynote. Not as good because I don't own the information, but I can retain it. Where someone else is taking like feverish notes and they're like, I can't believe you're not taking notes. And I say, I can't believe you're taking notes. And then we become like, who's is better? You have to accept other people's way of doing it too, because part of that is it's not a competition. Too often in education, we think it's a competition. Who's doing this better? Who's in the, oh, we're all on the same team. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? Okay, I can learn from you. You can learn from me. And yes, I should be better at taking notes. Yes, I should be able to read more. Like I did my, you know, dissertation and then I just sit there and listen. I don't take any notes. I'm not saying I'm that smart. I'm saying that's how I intake information. So we can learn from each other. This goes back to my strength. So I can listen. You take notes. Let's team up. Let's see where we are. Right, right. That's perfect. The, um, you know, for finding these gaps and, and finding out these solutions, are there, are there any specific questions? I know the whole idea of what am I strong at or what am I weak at? Are there any routines or specific questions that leaders could ask themselves or teachers can ask themselves to help them get on that track to discovering that gap? Because that's not going to be a, you know, oh, the, the sky opens and a ray of sunlight comes down and says, you know, Chris, this is where your gap is. This is the answer. It's an iterative process and it's, it's a trial and error 
Any ideas on how to start that process or, or keep in that process? Uh, absolutely. Well, I have an idea and I might take it a little bit different ways because depending on what you're doing, you may have different areas of need uh, of weakness. So I would say before you even ask yourself any you know, self-reflection question, I don't think we prioritize enough, meaning like everything's the top priority. Well, then that's, you know, we talked about burned out. That's how you get burnt out, that nothing, the reason it's called a priority list is because something has to be at the top and, and, and something's going to, if there's 10 things, there's going to be a 10th thing. Like it has to be. So when you start looking at your, your gaps or the areas to improve, first lay out the things you're going to do that are a priority. Priority number one, I'm not telling you what it should be, but whatever your priority is that you're a high school principal, I'm guessing graduation is going to be right around one at this point in, in the year, whatever that priority is, you then, then you can say, okay, priority one, what do I need to get priority one done? What am I strong at to get that task done? And where are my areas of weakness? Because your strengths might be fitting great for priority four. So what leaders sometimes do is make priority four the top priority because it's comfortable. Oh, yeah. So I think that before you ask yourself questions, prioritize the work you have to do. And then you can start saying, okay, I want to be true to myself, as you said, and to get priority one done, maybe I'm not, you know, just using this hypothetical graduation, maybe I'm not great at writing a speech. So maybe I'll ask for help. Maybe I'm not great at organizing a seating chart. Maybe I'll ask somebody else. So you have to prioritize first, and then you start to dive into the tasks of that priority. That's awesome. That's never even thought about that. You know, when I when I used to teach history, I would teach and teach about the Bill of Rights and ask them, you know, what's the most important amendment? You know, they they'd all have their opinions, and I'd I'd look at one kid and I'd say, okay, so what's your what's your favorite food? Um, give me your top five favorite foods, and they you know they'd say pizza first, and I'd say, okay, so what's your most important food? And you know, when speaking about the amendments, but that's so right. If before you ask any leading questions like that, because those kind of questions are leading. Sure. If you just look at the priorities and then label them and then go back and do the work, because that's what it comes down to is, yeah. is just doing the work and owning it. Because you might not actually have a gap for your priority number one. Then you get that done and then you're like, okay, two, I got a major gap in singing or whatever it is. Like, oh boy, I got... I got Are you telling me you're this. working on your singing? Is that what no, you just said? Nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> there is nobody who's like, I hope Matt Joseph sings today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take this opportunity right now to hear from some of our sponsors. No, not about singing, but about some other really good stuff. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the place out-of-the-box leaders in education turn to to grow their leadership skills. Maybe you're interested in making better decisions, creating your idea week, or building a world-class culture. Learn more at betterleadersbetterschools.com. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. 
So, I mean, we're almost to the end of the to the end of the podcast, but I have two questions that I ask every guest and they usually lead to more conversation. So, if you weren't a leader, if you weren't the leader that you are now, who, not what, would you be? Who would I be? I would be an individual that organizes youth summer camps because I think the the foundation of kids interacting with other kids, with learning social norms, with having fun, with a non-competitive activities. I would love to be who that person is to organize a day where kids could swim and play kickball and do arts and crafts and do whatever they want and just have, because you get six hours of fun. I could document the amount of learning that happens during that point in time. And I think if we can establish my personal opinion, a, a, a youth that enjoys themselves and enjoys other kids and learning without specific standards and, and, and markers. I mean, you think about when we were there, I mean, there was playground justice where you don't push someone off the swing because someone else is going to push you off the swing. You learn that pretty quickly, right? I plead the fifth. Yes, as do I. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and we've, I think we've lost a little bit of that, but that's a whole nother show. So I want to, I would love to establish something where there are social norms or there are just to have fun. And we learn from that because we learn to take turns. We learn to be patient. We learn to help someone out because it is benefits ourselves. So that would be the person I would, would want to be if I wasn't in my position now. All right. I'm going to blow this up because that, Uh-oh. that gave me another question. Okay. <laughs> we, we might be breaking this into two parts. Okay. The, um, so here's the thing. The, you mentioned social norms, and we all know that schools have their own set of social norms um, in a broader picture. And that has everything to do with homework to asking to go to the bathroom in classes. How do you as a leader adjust the social norm in your school so that it's more about social emotional learning? It's more about those fun social norms that you just talked about because you do learn when you have those. And I know the answer is going to be different for grade school versus high school, but how does a leader go about or what are some successful steps a leader could take to adjusting those social norms where it's relationships over content? So the first thing that would come to my mind from, and you said it might be different from grade school to to graduation, but I I think there's one thing that's a common thread that I would give an answer from pre-K to 12 is how are we supporting independence? What are we doing? You brought up going to the bathroom. We're the only society that has to be asked to use the actual lavatory to go to the bathroom. And I get, I get the safety of, as an elementary principal, I get the safety. I'm not trying to say we should just let them run loose. But how are we promoting independence? So in my little summer camp or whatever example, it was the kids were kind of monitoring themselves. They were playing, they were doing whatever in our school base of, of doing projects and, and independent work and homework, you know, whatever we can, we can loop in anything. How are we promoting independence? Because if you think about it, I mean, you're in high school. So when the kids leave, when they go to college, mom's not there for the schedule. You can go to class or not go to class. You can do the work or not go do the work. You're not paying for it. So until like when I started to pay for my own master's and doctoral work, like now I'm like, <laughs> man, this is serious. I got to do this. But it, it, in, you know, in the early college, it was someone's paying for it. I'm getting my food. Someone's, I'm just walk over and I put this little card in. I get food. Do I don't have to go to class. I, I can wear sweatpants. But because I grew up in some struggles and, and, and built that independence and built that, you know, this is important to me, that was helpful to me. But are we building kids to 
be independent. So I think the social norm I would work on first is what are we doing? Look around, step back in your class. Are you dictating what, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Are you kind of saying what has to get done? Or are you saying this is what is going to get done? You do it your own way. And a lot of, I think, if you listen back, some of my examples are the growth was when I transferred the independence. Teachers doing the, the, the work themselves. Somebody else, you know, interpreting this or, or the kids doing a podcast, whatever it is. Building that independence because the second layer of that is we're teaching kids how to think, not what to think. And when we're, when, and when we're building that independence, that's what education is all about. It's not remembering facts and dates and tests. Are we preparing kids to be independent? Because at some point as a parent, as a, as a teacher, these kids are leaving. And same with teacher, you know, aspiring leaders. Are we training them to be independent thinkers? And early on, the example I gave of failing as someone else, I was not independent. I was reliant on the superintendent's ideas. And I think to get the social norms, we have to improve our level of comfort to let kids be independent. I, I've, people can't see me, but I got a, I got a big smile on because that is, that's a gold nugget right there. The idea of when we think about promoting independence, we think about students, right? We think about younger people. We don't think about teachers because as teachers get acclimated to a culture in a school, they almost give up a little bit of their independence in the school because they go the way everybody else is going. And if we could, as leaders, get teachers to be more independent in that individual classroom, regardless of what, you know, Chris is teaching a certain way because boy, if he, if he did something different project wise, well, that's not the way Matt does it. And so Matt might have something to say about that. And some people even cry equity over that because the parents call and say, there's a different, there's a different experience in the classroom. But if we could get teachers and create those, those social norms where teachers now are more independent and think more for themselves about what's going on in their classrooms. That's perfect. That's, that's gold. What you said right there. Oh, well, thank you. No, that's when we, when we look at moving, right. Cause it's, it's, it's paradigm shifting. It's when we're, we're looking at kids and we talk about a lot of stuff that's good for students, but as we blow it up to a bigger picture, we should be looking at teachers and then leaders, you know, at the building level should be looked at by district level leaders and things like that. So that was just, I just thought that was really on point, the whole idea of prioritizing independence. We talk about college and career ready, which personally, I don't even like that phrase. I like the phrase career ready. Some careers require college, some don't. And that's a shifting target as we go through time. But um, the idea of independence, you just drilling down on that one, that one skill of independence, I think that's important. So last question. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> Maybe. Depends on what you say for the answer. Whether <laughs> right, it's the right. last question. That works. <laughs> and this is, you already gave a gold nugget, but this is meant to be the gold nugget of the whole thing. Oh, boy. More pressure. No, pressure I was going to say, no pressure. Don't worry about it. <laughs> What's the most important piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower teachers? So for me... My biggest fear is wasted potential. And the biggest piece of advice that I would give administrators is find the potential in everyone in the building. Remove the roles. That's another one. I'll, I'll, like we, we, we talk about the hierarchy in school, the hierarchy in schools too often. Who's the principal, then the teachers, then maybe you know the paras, and then the custodian, wherever your hierarchy is. 
No, we're all on the same team. We just have different roles. Stop talking about job descriptions. Okay. You're the principal because you went to school, you did whatever. That was something you wanted to do. That doesn't mean you're better than anybody. So put the titles away and focus on we're all on the same team. We all walk into school together. And then when you realize we're all on the same level, we just have different roles to get the students to the end. Then you focus on the potential of the, the, the staff. Find something that people are good at or they're driven by and highlight it. Because one, it'll give intrinsic motivation. Two, it's just a better place to work. Number one, it's just more fun. (laughs) And and three, you don't know what's going to come from it. You don't know what someone's going to produce. You don't know, and that's and goes for students too, but you don't know what someone's going to come up with as something creative or what they can build or ideas. So start looking for it. And we, we as a profession are the most limiting profession ever where we, we put roadblocks on ourselves. So don't do that. <laughs> That's it. Don't. Put, so one, look at your profession as we all have a role, not who's the boss and who's not. And yes, there's a hierarchy because of evaluation, all that. Like I get that. But I would say as an elementary principal, I would say when the kids leave, they're 10, they've spent half their life with us, half their life. What have we done to make that better? And as we look at, uh, you know, as the kids get older, what are we doing to flourish when we have other people flourish? You know, I always hear the grass is greener somewhere else. We're always pointing out somewhere else. My last gold nugget is the grass is greener where you water it. And if you, if you take care of your people, then it's going to, you're going to have a flourishing school. Did I hear a mic drop somewhere? (laughs) See, that was no pressure. You nailed that. That was great advice. (laughs) That was that was great advice, but you know, and okay, so I I said no more questions. I'm not. I'm here. Well, well, I've got one more question. Go. I, I keep saying that you've got a couple of books. I do. What about a book giveaway? Want to do a book giveaway? I'm in. Yeah. All right. So, so what? How do we want to do this? What can people do for a book giveaway? So what I'll do, I don't know how you typically do it. So this this is actually one of the questions that I'm like I might not know this answer. Like I don't. <laughs> so. This will take a little bit to drop. I will put out a sign-up sheet and we'll do a little book giveaway for one of the books. Does that work for you? Yeah, no, that that works. Do you want to, this show will take a little bit to drop. Do you want them to put anything on Twitter? I know you're you're active on Twitter. Yeah, so how about you, you put something that was impactful from this episode? Because I want you to listen to it. I don't want just people to say, I want a free book. I want you to learn something because okay. that's what I'm talking about all day today is that we grow together. And if you tweet something out from this episode that was impactful to you, you'll be entered into the drawing. That's an easy, that's a better way to do it. Absolutely. So they will do one week after the episode airs, tweet something out and tag me and and tag Chris and you'll be entered in and I will give away one of each of the three books. Sounds great. I will... I'll put all your stuff in the show notes, but why don't you hit them with your Twitter handle? So it's at Matthew X Joseph. All right. And I'm at Dr. C.S. Jones. And um, also use the hashtag C2Lead. That's C-T-O Lead. And do you have a hashtag? Not enough where I, that's going to take up more character. So I'd rather okay. have, I'd rather have something that was impactful than my own hashtag. Perfect. So listen to the episode, share the episode with what was most impactful to you. They get put on a list. You got it. 
All right, awesome. Hey, Matt, I really, I can't thank you enough. You said some fantastic things here today and I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, it's so, always great to chat with you, Chris. Well, thanks for being on and uh, we may have to crack open some of these bigger topics in another episode sometime. All right, so. you got my number. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. Thank you.